Welcome to the podcast of C3 Church with today's message. I want just to, before I share this title with you, I want you to look at the person next to you and say, you know what I sense is about to get real. That's the title of this message. It's about to get real. When things get elevated or the situation has taken a serious turn or if there was a revelation that came that demanded a decision, what comes to mind is the expression, it just got real. Because it's going to require that you make a decision. One thing is for sure, if you live long enough, you will experience time when life will take a turn that you did not anticipate. There will be moments when you have stepped back and you have to say, this was not what I was expecting. You made a decision and all of a sudden the decision that you made, it didn't, the results that you got didn't look like what you thought they were going to look like. I hope I'm talking to the right church this morning. I call these times decision points. Because it is at this stage in life where you will have to make a decision. You will have to decide to follow God even if it's confrontational or you will have to take the easy route of following worldly tolerance. Tolerance might be easier, but is it godly? I said this many times before, but, when, but as a radical remnant breakthrough believer, we are not called to fit in. We are called to stand out. God's people are not called to sit idle in a boat. He calls us to rock the boat. We are not called. Come on. I see y'all out there rocking the boat already. Amen. And while you're rocking, there are other people in the boat holding on. <laughs> We're not called to coexist with this sinful world. We're called to confront it. We're not called to a life of comfort, but a, a life of conflict. Come on, somebody. We're not called to be casual Christians on the cruise ship. We're called to be breakthrough Christians on the battleship. Because God has given us the Holy Ghost that can break every yoke and remove every burden, but God is not going to speak his word for you. He places the Holy Ghost in us and he gives us his word so that when we are full of him as a container, then we become a dispenser. So he fills us with his word as a container, the wine of God, so we can dispense it out to other people. So what kind of wine do you have inside of you? We are called to we're not called to defend uh, the darkness. We're called to expose it. We shouldn't just sit idly by and just watch darkness. Turn your light on. We are here to expose the unfruitful works of darkness. We're not called to live in the fear of men. We're called to live in the faith of God. See, we learned this from David. David was all alone watching a few sheep. Now, the few sheep might not look like much to a lot of people according to the world standards. But according to God, little is much with him. And he said, don't despise the days of 
small beginnings and David was keeper of a few sheep. Let me tell you something. If you don't know how to keep a few sheep, God is not going to put you in a place to keep many sheep. So David was faithful over a few sheep. And, and when, a, when a lion and a bear came to attack the few sheep, David defended the few. Let me tell you, when you got the right person in leadership, they're always going to defend you. It doesn't matter if it's 20 people, 200 people, 2,000 people with the right leadership. Oh, you're not going to let a wolf come in and, and attack the sheep. My God and David was faithful over the few sheep. So when David was just running lunches for his brothers, he just walked up on something. Come on, somebody. David was just obeying his father. David didn't ask to go. His father said, listen, I want you to take lunches for your brother. Isn't it awesome? Sometimes when the father tells you to do something and you get into the place where God told you to go and it don't look like what you thought it was supposed to look like. And you come into a place thinking that you were going to get a clap. But you got a slap. Thinking that his brother was going to say, oh, thank you, David, for bringing us food. All he was doing was obeying his father, and sometimes obeying the father is going to put you in a situation that's going to get real. It got really real because when David came up, he heard something. He heard something in his ears, and when you've been basking in the faith of God, uh, when you get around the fear of men, something raises up in your spirit, and David heard somebody talking, and they was talking about the same God uh, that defended him when he, uh, when he attacked the lion and the bear, and he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And I'm sure I'm just the John Lofton version. And I'm sure at first he was like, and why is he still standing? Hold on. King Saul and all of the army were right there and did nothing. And then his brothers, who were wussified, Punked out, going to look at David. Isn't it amazing how people in one situation running in fear want to attack somebody that they think is subordinate? David could have said, well, look at you. Nobody is going out after him. So David said, I'll take him. And they looking at David. <laughs> But see, what they did not know is that one day it got real for David. And see, when it got real for David, no man was around. See, when you are in your private, secret place, when nobody else is around and God begins to download stuff to you, see, the reason you can bask in the faith of God while the fear of men is around you is because you got something from God when nobody else was around. That's why they're going to look at you like that. And Saul, bless him, said, listen, David, I, I, feel for, I fear for you. So let me put my fear on you. Yes, yes. My God, let me tell you something, saints of God. You can't wear anybody else's armor. 
See, Saul wasn't putting his armor on him because Saul wanted to protect David. He wanted to put his armor on him because Saul feared himself. You can't let somebody put fear on you. You can't wear somebody else's anointing. You can't preach like nobody else. You can't live for anybody else. You can't live for God through somebody else's relationship. David said, I can't wear this. This, this is not mine. I got to get something that worked for me. And, and David picked up five smooth stones and, and he had a slingshot. And, and David said, all you need to do is give me something that worked for me before. It might not look like much. Uh, you might look at what I got and say it's substandard. Uh, you might call me small and insignificant. Uh, you might say that I'm not worthy. But if you let me wind up what God has given me, I'll knock the giant out. Come on, somebody. It just got real. If you wind up what God has given you, take that smooth stone and knock the giant out. But don't stop right there. You still got to cut his head off. See, the word do it all. So he hit him in the head with a word and he cut his head off with the sword. The word. That's why the Bible says that the word is a duck. It cuts double. It, it, it gets the mind and the head. Come on, you cut the head off, the body will die. That's why the enemy attacks the head. Because if he can cut the head off, the body will die. This is why the prayers from the saints for leaders is important during this day. And one of the travesties that I see today that is, that is, it just breaks my heart, we, we have to succumb to friendly fire too much. It's too many of us talking about each other. Rather than encouraging one another, we want to put our mouth on each other. So my question is, who made you an expert? I'm telling you, saints of God, following Jesus does not mean catering to our every selfish desires. It means crucifying yourself. Are you truly ready to walk in the footsteps of the master? Well, I can just say this. It's about to get real. Might I remind you that Jesus was hated? So we're going to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Since we're ready to walk in the footsteps of the master. Since we got that Peter spirit. Jesus, I will never leave you. All of these other punks over here, they'll leave you. But I'm not going to John Lawton version. I will never leave you. <laughs> that arrogant spirit. And Jesus said, Peter, <laughs> even tonight, brother, you're going to deny me three times. He made people feel uncomfortable at times. He exposed sin. He rebuked unrighteousness and would not compromise. Demons were terrified of him while the religious people tormented him. He did not hold back when he was confronted by evil, and he was nailed to a cross by a godless world because of it. Why should it be any different for us? See how quiet it got in this Presbyterian church that fast. 
Oh, it just got real up in here, didn't it? Because, see, if Jesus said, if they persecuted me, then what you complaining for? Why are you coming? I just can't believe they attacking me. Didn't you say you were a Christian? Why can't you believe that? Jesus gave us a warning. He said, don't be deceived. Right? So we shouldn't be surprised when we get attacked as a Christian. Wait till you really stand up and see what happens. Wait, wait till you want to do something different. Wait, wait until you want to just break from tradition. Oh, see. No, 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 hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. You can't do that. We've done this for 50 years. <laughs> as soon as you want to break from the little tradition, what are you doing? That's against God. <laughs> y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. You just break away from stuff that's been going on for 50, 60, 100 years, and they don't even know why they're doing it. There's no biblical substantiation for it. It just happened. Somebody did it one day. Everybody started doing it. Let me just tell you this story. Since I'm feeling good this morning. There was this lady. uh, Every Thanksgiving, she would get this turkey, and she would always cut the legs off before she put the turkey in the pan. She would just slice, slice the legs off. And so she did this every year. And so one day, her daughter asked her, said, Mama, why do you always cut the turkey legs off? So she said, well, my mama always did that. So the daughter went to her grandmama and said, Granny, why do you cut the turkey legs off before you put it in the pan? And she said, because my mama always did that. And fortunately, great-grand was still living. So she went. And she said, great-grand, why do you cut the turkey legs off before you cook it? And great-grand said, I only cut the legs off because I had a small pan. That's not your family, is it? (laughs) I promise you, I didn't know. (laughs) That's how traditions start. Nobody's asking questions. Why do you do what you do? There is a a biblical reason why we do what we do. It's in there, saints of God. And so listen, I'm not saying that traditions are wrong either. I think some traditions are really good. I think they're valuable. I think we need to keep them because they support us. They give us proper boundaries on some traditions. I'm not talking about traditions. I'm more talking about traditionalism. That's when it goes into the area of it's above God's word. Man, is this making sense at all? So I wanted to make sure I bring um, a balance to that. Why should it be any different for us, guys? So listen, Jesus was rejected, but we want to be respected. I just want you. I just want some respect. Well, he was rejected. He was regarded as radical. We want to be reasonable. A mixture. Go ahead, girl. Right? No, no, Pastor. You shouldn't be radical. You need to be loving. I didn't say unloving. You can be loving and radical. Amen. How do you know that? Because Jesus was radical. 
And there was nobody they loved better than him. Because he is the lover of our souls. Come on. All those beautiful love letters he wrote us. Just so we can be encouraged when we feel discouraged. Amen. He was accused of having demons while we pay homage for having degrees. Nah, Pastor, I can't have you coming in here. You don't have the right degree. I guess I won't be coming. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He was put out by religious people. We want to be invited in. But let me tell you something. As I begin to go through the word of the Lord, why was Ezekiel concerned for his life? Why was John the Baptist beheaded? Why was Stephen Stone and Paul persecuted? Why was John the Revelator isolated on the island of Patmos? Was it because they capitulated to sin and culture and darkness? Was it because they cared more about solitude than souls? Was it because they promised prosperity and you can name it and claim it and blab it and grab it? Without understanding that there is a principle behind that promise. And that if you're not meeting the principle, you can name it and claim it all you want that don't belong to you because you don't understand the principle tied to the promise. And before you can even get to the provision, you're going to have to work that principle out in a problem. So that's the ways of the Lord. He's going to give you a promise based on principles that's worked out in a problem before you get the provision. Amen. You can name it and claim it all you want. You can go down the street. You can look at that Rolls Royce, and you can use his name out of order. And look at your credit. All right. I think that was enough. I was, I'm going to pull up. I'm not. <laughs> I don't want people. It just got real, didn't it, Jatana? I wasn't going to. I was about to give a score, but it might be somebody's score in here, so I don't <laughs> I don't want you to think I'm talking about you. Amen. <laughs> so <laughs> just naming something, guys, and claiming it don't make it yours. You might be naming and claiming something that don't belong to you in the first place. What you need to do is go here first. Point out the things that God has a desire for you to have. Because when you name that, you don't have to worry about claiming it. It's already yours. Right? You know why you got to name it and claim it? Because what you're trying to name and claim ain't yours in the first place. That he going to be my husband. You know that man ain't going to be your husband? You know that man already married? So y'all don't look at me like that. Don't you, don't you dare go there with me. Look at that, look at that. They want me to move on, move on, move on. It just got real, Pastor. Move on, move on. And Marsha's saying, dig deeper, dig deeper. <laughs> so I'm torn. <laughs> Amen. Listen here. It is because they preached the confrontational gospel that rips off the band-aid of comfortability. And it compels us to stand up as Christians in this bow-down world. See, when you preach the gospel message and you're not afraid of the faces of the people, then you can just preach freely. See, I can preach freely because I'm not shackled to the tithe. You don't control my blessing. We do. Hello, somebody. So I'm not counting noses of people that are sitting in the seat. 
I'm counting on God to give me a definite anointing that can break the yokes off of your life and remove the burdens that's on your life right now. That's what I'm counting on, right? If you just stay on fire for God, one thing the Lord has always taught me, if you stay on fire, he'll bring fire people around you. Amen? Because one or two things are going to happen. They're going to see the fire and run from it, or they're going to see the fire and run to it. Isn't that what happened with Jesus? Come on. Jesus, Jesus, listen, listen. Okay, let me take you there. Jesus fed their bellies. Oh, my God, what a revival. Oh, people came from miles around. They heard that that was this man in the desert. He was, he was just talking about, oh, let me just bless it. He raised the food to heaven, and man, oh, man, we ate and ate and ate to our bellies content. Oh, I called Book and them. I called my cousin them. I had everybody up in there. We was eating fishes and loaves, and we ate so much we were just fat and happy, and I think his name was Jesus. So Jesus, as he always does, he starts off by showing you something in the natural, and then he takes you into the spiritual. That's why he used parables. Parables uh, are nothing but a pithy way to explain spiritual things by using natural means. Come on, somebody. And so what he wanted to do is to give you a spiritual, a natural thing to show you spiritual realities. And so he said, okay, now you see what I can do in the natural by multiplying what you want for your appetite in the natural, but I want to take you to another level, so I want to show you about eating my word. But the way he explained it was eating his flesh, and his flesh is his word, and, and drinking his blood, and, and getting the spirit of him inside of him. And instead of them saying, Jesus, I want more of this for my my spirit they said no Jesus this is a hard teaching you know what happened it just got real and the Bible said they followed him no more why because they were more interested in getting their bellies fed than getting their spirits fed see you got some Christians like that oh you have some food at the church oh they come out like roaches y'all know what I'm talking about Hey, you would think it was revival. There's something about food, man. You know, it was food that got us in trouble in the first place. It's something about the appetite. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus didn't go running. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I need your tithe. Can you please come back? I need you. I, I just need the, the seats to be full so it looks like we're really having a good time. Is that what he did? You know what Jesus did? They were, they were walking, and he just looked at them. And then he turned to the 12 and said, what you going to do? You going to leave me also? Because in Jesus' mind, it don't matter who's going to go with me. I'm still going. You got to have a tenacity about your saints of God that no matter how many people that said they weren't going to go with you, but then when the rubber, when it got real, that's when you know who truly is going to follow you because they came out from us that it might be made manifest that they were not of us. For if they were of us, no doubt they would have continued with us. Everybody that start with you is not going to finish with you and stop going after people that don't need to be around you in the first place. 
now. See, sometimes, saints of God, and I'm not trying to be mean. It's just sometimes, saints of God, you just need to know who God might be trying to separate you from. Abraham took Lot with him. He wasn't, he wasn't supposed to. Lot became a thorn in his flesh later on. Amen? So be careful. Make sure you discern from the Lord who's supposed to go with you and who's not. Come on, saints of God. Many of us have experienced the resurrection power of Jesus, and we have stepped out of our caves of darkness. But just like Lazarus, some of us are still trapped behind the bandages. This reminds me of one of my favorite characters in the Bible by the name of Mephibosheth. Although his name is a tongue twister, but not nearly as twisted as his life. His story is one that it was riddled with obstacles after obstacle after obstacle. He later, uh, after the death, much later after the death of his grandfather, who was King Saul. You guys remember King Saul? King Saul died in battle. And then his father, Jonathan, died in battle. And his brother was also killed. So Mephibosheth was supposed to be next in line for the throne. But we all know also, Nathan, uh, it was, is it Nathan? No, sorry, Samuel came to King Saul when Saul disobeyed. When he was supposed to kill all the Amalekites, he kept some of the best of the animals, the best of the things, and he also allowed King Agag to live. Now, we know that by history, I taught you last week, that King Agag was the lineage that came from Haman in Esther's time. Right? That's that lineage. So Haman, remember what happened to Agag with the Jewish people, so he had this vendetta out against the Jewish people. So Saul didn't do what God commanded him to do. So when he was confronted by the man of God, he does what every punked out leader does. He blamed the people. Saul said, it was the people. I did it. I did it. I, come on. I did it for the people. So the word was, God has stripped the kingdom from you. But listen, rather than giving it to his lineage, he gave it to David. So remember that as we, as we go further here. King David was assuming the throne, and the normal protocol would be to wipe out the whole lineage of the defeated king. That, that happened a lot. If you, you read the scriptures, you will see that that happened a lot. They would wipe out every son, daughter, everybody before they took on the throne, right? So Mephibosheth uh, was only the only one living from his lineage, and when he was five years old, the news came to him about his grandfather and his father and his nurse took him up because she was trying to protect him, and he, she grabbed him up, and she was running with him to take him to a safe place, and she tripped and dropped him and fell on his feet. So Mephibosheth became lame in both of his feet. Now, let's pick up the scriptures here uh, in, in first, Second Samuel chapter 9. David remembered the covenant he made with his friend, Prince Jonathan, that would take care of the family if something happened to him. See, this is why a covenant is so important. See, David, he came to Ziba. He said, listen, is there anyone in the house of Saul, Jonathan's, Jonathan, well, in the house of Jonathan that I can show kindness to? 
Why? Because David remembered he cut a covenant with Jonathan years ago because they were good friends. Isn't it interesting that Jonathan knew that David was going to assume the throne because he knew his father was senile? Right? And they had such a close relationship that now they even talk about David and Jonathan having some kind of, you know, homosexual relationship, but it had nothing to do with that. It was everything about covenant, that they loved each other. Come on, somebody. And so because of this, he wanted to show kindness to somebody that was in the lineage. And so he asked the question, is there anybody still in the house of Saul that I can show kindness to? And they say, yeah, Mephibosheth. And he said, well, where is he? He said, he's, he's, uh, out, he's down there in Lodabar. That's what he said. See, this is very interesting because the Hebrew for Lodabar, lo means no or parched. Debar means word, communication, or pastors. So when you put those together, it's no word, no communication, or parched pastors. So isn't it interesting that he was supposed to be the one to assume the throne, but because what happened to him in his life, somebody dropped him, somebody fell on him, it lamed him for the rest of his life, and now you find him in the place of no communication. I hope I'm talking to the right church this morning. Just stay with me because I'm going somewhere with this. I am sure that this was very surreal for Mephibosheth because his bruises and his injuries and his twisted limbs were not a result of something that he did to himself. It was a result of something somebody else did to him. Now brace yourself. It's about to get real. Has anyone dropped you and it has caused you to camp out in the place of Lodabar? Have you ever been hurt by someone and the pain not only left physical scars, but mental and emotional and spiritual scars as well? Have you ever been so broken that you felt like you've been in a place of no word and, and no communication and parched pastures and, and it seems like the voice of God has gone silent on you? Have you ever been imprisoned in a valley of regret and hatred and unforgiveness that made you feel like you are in a parched and dry season? Mm, yes, I see some people shaking their head like this. That, I'll take that as a yes. The difference between Mephibosheth and many Christians today is the fact that his wounds and handicap would be seen on the outside, but we have so many people dealing with inward wounds and handicaps, but they masquerade a smile so you can't see what's going on on the inside. Our past injuries can leave us in Lodabar, bruised up and feeling hopeless and powerless at times until we just want to give up. This is why the church is supposed to be a hospital for the hurting. When you're going through something like we just went through, everybody is hurting. The leaders are hurting. The church is hurting. Everybody is hurting. Everybody is trying to figure out, well, God, what am I supposed to do at such a time as this? Lord, how am I supposed to stay motivated and to motivate my family and to do the things that I need to do when I'm hurting on the inside? How am I, God, supposed to get up every Sunday and preach something to motivate somebody else, but I'm not getting motivated myself? Past traumas can be a virus that keeps people from living in their present truths. After many years of living 
with his lame feet. He got a word that the king was searching for. My God, just even making that statement, I just remember the night I met the king. I had no idea that the king had been searching for me. With my lifestyle and the things that I did, I just knew that there was no way he could accept me. But he was searching for me. And I can only imagine in my mind when Mephibosheth heard the word that the king was searching for him, in his mind, he's like, oh, he wants to take my life. Because that was tradition. See, sometimes you can block your blessing because of tradition. See, the king was looking for him, and, and he was down in Lodabar, the place where he hadn't been getting any word, and he was in the house of Micah. Micah means sold out. And sometimes we become a sellout when things don't go right and when something has happened in our lives and we've been traumatized and somebody inappropriately touched me when I was nine years old and, and I lived my whole life based on that one moment in my life. And it's hard. It's hard for me to continue because every time I feel like I'm moving two steps up, I fall back five. One of the things... When you truly have a love for God's people, you can feel the people's pain. It's not an easy thing to do. When you carry the burdens of the church, it's not easy, saints. I would invite anybody, if you want this job, you can have it. I didn't ask for it. I ran from it for years. I knew what it took. I didn't want that kind of responsibility. But God said, it's not your choice, John. It's mine. I remember when the king was searching for me. Even though he's a grown man now, remember when he was lame, he was five. He's a grown man now and even have a son of his, for, of his own. So we, look at the years now. Look at the years, and he's still basing his life on that one experience in his past. Even though he was called, he couldn't even come on his own. Somebody had to carry him. Saints of God, sometimes God is going to use us to carry other people where they need to go. I recall there was one man that couldn't get to Jesus because there were so many people around the house because he was preaching truth. And there were people everywhere, and, and there were four bearing one, and they couldn't get through the door because people wanted to hear the word of the Lord. And these four people carried their best friend or their friend to the presence of Jesus. And when they got to the house, uh, they couldn't get through the door because the door was blocked. And this is why you got to have the right friends in your life because it doesn't matter what kind of obstacles get in the way. Uh, your friends are going to do everything uh, to get you to the presence of the Lord. And, and they begin to climb up on the roof uh, and they begin to carry him one by one so that he can get on top of the house. Uh, and they begin to move back uh, the roof or the ceiling of the house uh, so that they can lower their friend down into the presence of Jesus. And one, once they lowered him down you don't even hear about the four friends any longer because once you come before Jesus it just got real and you gotta be the one to make the choice you gotta be the one to make the decision I'm gonna reject you I'm gonna follow you See, I equate the four friends to the four Gospels because when we read the four Gospels it ushers us in into the presence of the Lord Sometimes you're going to have to remove some obstacles for some other people to get them to the presence of Jesus. He couldn't even go. He had to have somebody to carry him. And many of us 
have been called. But many times we can't get to the place of our calling because we have been incapacitated by our own brokenness. You can't move forward because the first thing that the enemy always brings up is that moment in time. And you're stuck in time and you can't do what God has called you to do because you always remember what the devil is bringing to your remembrance. He had to be delivered from Lodabar and carried to the king's palace to learn that the king, my God, that the king had a seat for him. King had a seat for him. When he got to the king, what was his response? He was called. Many are called. He was called. But his response was in 2 Samuel 9 and 8, it says, and he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but as I felt this morning, as I was praying and asking God, is this the right way to go, Lord? I felt like somebody was hurting so bad that it's hard for them to re-engage with God. And it had nothing to do with what you did. It had something to do with somebody did to you. Somebody dropped you. Maybe you've been watching my live stream and maybe you might watch this later on this week and you feel like you're just so drained and so confused and you can't understand why life has been so hard. Maybe someone has dropped you and this has been your excuse for not succeeding. You have been dropped in a divorce. You've been dropped from a job and You've been dropped from a relationship, and, and perhaps you've been dropped by a church or a pastor. You may have been dropped by a family member who should have been your protector, but they became your predator. I want all of you to know today, even if you've been dropped, that the king is calling you at his table. No matter what has maimed and damaged you, just remember that the king is calling. Although Mephibosheth was sitting at the king's table, listen to me very carefully. Although Mephibosheth was sitting at the king's table, if you were to look at his waist up, you would, you would see that he was delivered. But if you were to look underneath the table, you would see that he was still damaged. You would see his little shriveled up feet. You see, God's table uh, is full of crippled people. People who didn't have it together. People who didn't even see that God had a plan for them. My God. People like me. People like you that you never knew you would be where you are today. But when the king is calling, you can run all you want, but the seat is still there for you. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that the king called me. I'm glad that he had a seat waiting for me at his table. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message encouraged you. If you would like to learn more about C3 Church, please visit us in person in Indian Trail, North Carolina at 5805 West Highway 74, Indian Trail, North Carolina, 28079 or on the web, c3churchnc.org, or on facebook.com forward slash c3indiantrailnc.org.